0: Hey, everyone. On today's episode of Active and Connected Families, we're going to discuss mental fitness for high-achieving athletes and high-achieving teenagers across the board. Coach Michael Rache of Resilience Fitness and Sports Performance joins us again and gives us some strategies and daily habits that we can teach our teens to use, even use ourselves as we're getting through the tougher parts of life. As always, Coach Mike's lens is that of an athlete. He uses a lot of athletic terms. We talk about football, basketball, all the sports. But everything he says really applies to teenagers in general and people in general. He has an amazing understanding of the way teens live and the way teens see the world because he spends so much time with teenagers. So even if your child is not an athlete, I think listening to him and having an understanding of their experience of the world is going to be useful. Thanks so much for listening. And don't forget to like and share this podcast if you enjoyed it. Active and Connected Families is a smart, relatable conversation with me, Dr. Amanda Sovic-Johnston, child psychologist, mother of three, and entrepreneur. I've spent my career providing family therapy and supporting high achieving mothers, and maybe even more hours with my girlfriends trying to figure out how we can all feel more confident in our work and our relationships. And you all, there's one thing I've noticed. We're all struggling in some of the same places and we're all looking for some down-to-earth advice that we can actually use. So on Active and Connected Families, I'll share some of the insights I've learned, strategies for those daily fights about laundry, some expert perspective on the bigger issues like the mental health crisis, and me chatting with my therapist friends about how we can all feel a little more active and connected in our lives. Throughout, I hope to make you laugh at least once, but I know I'll leave you with something that'll help you become a better parent and maybe even person. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Mike, we're so glad you're back.
1: Hey, Amanda, thanks for having me.
0: So excited. So we have Mike atun Rashe here from Resilience Sports. What is it? It's on your shirt and now you leaned forward. So fitness I can't. and sports Resilience performance. And fitness and sports performance. <laughs> I never know which one comes first, the sports performance <laughs> or the fitness. But we're so glad you're here, Mike.
1: Oh, I'm glad that you invited me. Thank you. It's always good to talk to you.
0: So you all, Mike and I have already talked for an hour about the (laughs) trends we're seeing among teenagers and athletes. And a lot of these trends actually that we're talking about with athletes do kind of translate to all teenagers. And I think overall, the thing that we're talking about seeing is just the general increase in anxiety and depression that we all know is happening for the teenagers these days.
1: Yes. And it's a shame because... There's a mix of the those, especially the high achieving teenagers, they feel like they, they shouldn't feel that way, or they feel like they shouldn't be experiencing these things. And they don't reach out for help necessarily about those things. Or they, they have so much so many other elements in their life added to their everyday when it comes to training and sports and practice and it almost feels like, well, maybe I'll deal with this, but I'll, it's not as important as these things. So let me put it on the back burner. And the, the health is one of those things you can't put on the back burner. You got to bring it to the forefront and address it head on. So especially with that high achieving crowd of those teenagers, we have to let them know that we're here to help and let them know that these things that they have um issues with, not I huge deal to say, hey, I need help with these things.
0: Mike, you almost like made me cry because obviously I'm crying from the beginning because I think you're <laughs> right. So many people that are doing so many things are just kind of pushing their emotionality and the emotions that they're feeling behind them. And I think they're mm-hmm. saying, maybe I'll get there one day. But then then the second you actually spend 10 minutes really talking to some kids, it's right there on the forefront. I'm sure you see it when you're training folks, right? It's like, oh, yeah. sometimes you say, how are you feeling? And they just well up with tears.
1: Right away. And it's because they have this this emotionality, like you said, built up. And it's built up. It's built up. It's like they've been sweeping it under the rug, under the rug. And all of a sudden they're on the rug, but the rug is 10 feet up off the ground. Oh, yeah. You know, yep. so um I see this with my fitness clients as well, especially mothers who they're so worried about. Oh, I got to worry about kid number one. I got to worry about kid number two, my household, my my partner, my spouse. And and all of that they kind of lose themselves. Mhm. So they have to have people like us that's there to remind them that when you are quote unquote selfish about your own health and you have that non-negotiable time and energy that you put into your own health, you'll be that much better for everyone else around you. So when I talk to my athletes and say, take that time out to it sounds silly, but take that time out to have a warm bath, do your hair, put on makeup, take your you time. If if you take your own hour to do that and to make yourself feel good, you'll be better at practice. You'll be better for your games. You'll be better towards your family, your friends. You'll study better. You'll be more because you just feel better. Mm
2: -hmm. Taking
1: time for you is important. And the way you structure that will look different person to person. Some people need to go for that walk. Some me, people need to meditate. Some people need to do some journaling. Some people need to talk to that person that they would usually confide in, but they say, oh, I'm too busy. I'll call them later. And then later it turns into never, you know? So um, I, I'm there to, that's what I do in the, the playbook program. That's, I'm like that constant reminder, hey, take some time for you how, checking in. How are you doing? That can go a long way.
0: So here's what I like about what you were even saying, Mike, and I don't think you even realized it, but you were using the term health and saying health is really important. And you're you're a fitness coach, you're a sports performance guy, and then you're talking about health, taking time to take a bath, health, taking yeah. time <laughs> to go on a walk. You're not talking about like health, building your muscles or health, like building your cardiovascular Fitness. Because right? that's
1: so that's that's what we normally think, right? That's like the normalized way of thinking about health is oh, health means I need to go to the, the dining hall and eat a salad, or health means I need to work out at 6 a.m. And all those things are just elements. Like, you know, nutrition is an element of health. And yes, exercise is an element of health. But just because of the, especially the demographic we're talking about, that that athletic community, you're kind of already forced to do those, a lot of those things. Right. So the other things, though, the other elements that are going to make this balance of your health, because um, that's what I talk about with my student athletes. I say your health is like a row and you have columns holding it up. So if all your columns on the left side of your row are strong, but the right side is weak, your row is going to be unbalanced. And with an unbalanced line of health, you never know what's going to happen.
2: Mm -hmm. So I say
1: we got to work on strengthening everything, making everything. So one of the ways we work on injury prevention is Balance. You don't want the quads too much more powerful than the hamstrings. Why? Because then you'll pull a hamstring, right? You don't want your chest so much stronger than your back. Why? Because then you're going to have some back injuries. So the balance of, yeah, I'm, I'm working out. I'm eating healthy. Is my mental health also there? Uh, am, am I feeling depressed? Am I feeling anxious? What are those measures that I'm taking to, to combat that or to deal with that? What are my coping mechanisms? Just like you practice the sport you're playing or just like you train, you're putting good type of stresses on the body parts that you need to or on the skills that you need to to find out where you fail and to grow and to improve. The same way you need to like hit those those touchy subjects and how you have to navigate those things, those anxieties, those things that make you feel bad. The same way you have to address those and navigate those and kind of, you know, put stresses on those things so you address them and then get stronger in those things. So one of the things that I really hope for my athletes is they see health in that kind of umbrella kind of way. They don't just see health as I work out, I exercise. They see health as in I take some time for myself to take a walk. To dress up and feel nice and to to feel good about myself to go to sleep on time to talk to and check in with my people who have the right things to say to me I know when when I'm in you know crisis, so yeah, health is a very umbrella term uh that and and I try to use it in a way that' it's interchangeable when it comes to those two different sides that's a great so there's strategy. not a dichotomy. And yep. it. it's very melted and melded into one.
0: Well, I'm even hearing what you're saying, and and what it sounds like, and we all know this, is that the stress and the achieve, achieve, achieve that comes, I think, in a capitalist society, y'all. Sorry, I'm getting real deep with you, but it is very <laughs> achieve, achieve, achieve. And now we're placing this stress on teenagers like yeah. eat the right salad, lift the right weights, do the right run. And we're not putting time in for the emotional and mental health because on some level we think that it's not worth it. Or I know even for me, I'll be like, well, other people might need to take that time, but I don't, like, I'm (laughs) strong. I don't need to take that time for myself when really I do. Yeah. And so I think you and I both know that if we want if we want people overall to be healthy and achieve and have success we need to be taking care of the physical aspects and i work that into my work and then the emotional aspects and you work that into your work so it's yeah. it's nice that we have the same conversations we're just coming at it from different ways
1: yeah it's a beautiful thing and and teaching our youth that is so important because one thing that we're not going to change is our society in terms of what it's calling from our youth, like I call it the waves of our society, we're not going to be able to change the waves, but what we can do is teach our youth how to surf, and we could teach our youth how to swim and the, and how to navigate those waves
0: wait wait, wait wait, say that again because that I'm like say that again because that makes so <laughs> much sense. go ahead, say it again, yeah,
1: so the s- society and the the pools that Are on our youth, right? The pulls are like the, are like the pulls of like waves at the, like you go to the ocean, right? And, you know, some, some places you go, the waves are stronger than the others. And, and what I've learned is a lot of the time us who, who kind of oversee our youth, we're trying to do our best to, to change the waves. We're trying to damn them. We're trying to hold them back with our arms, but it doesn't matter how strong you are. You're not going to be able to, and maybe you're able to to hold them back for a little bit, but what about when they leave the house? What Mm -hmm. about like, you're not going to follow them with your arms stretched out, holding Mm -hmm. back these waves all the time. So our job is to teach them how to surf those waves, Mm -hmm. teach them how to swim, Mm -hmm. teach them if the waves start taking you and you lose control, this is how you get to your back. And this is how you just like, for the time being, while things are really, really crazy, this is just how you float and how you cope. And when things get a little more controlled, then you can swim and then you can... So teaching them how to navigate the waves, that's our number one goal. That's my number one goal with kids in my program. And um, and, and that doesn't always look the same person to person. Like Some people are going to be surfers. Some people are going to just be boogie boarders. <laughs> they just stay on <laughs> and they lay. Some people are going to be You know, some people only have the capacity to just lay there on their back and just float. But whichever way you teach them, one, how to navigate, and then two, how to ask for help. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I hear that, and all of a sudden, Actually, one other thing. I think it's sometimes kids are going to be surfing, and then that same kid a month later might be boogie boarding, right? Yeah, we use different strategies at different times in our life when we have different levels of capacity, and that's okay. But when I hear that, I I think about those waves, and I think like, okay society is telling these kids they have to achieve, 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 right? They have to be perfect students. They have Mm -hmm. to be perfect athletes. They have to look a certain way. They have to dress a certain way. They have to act a certain way. And that is all these messages that society is giving them. Those are the waves that you're talking about. And you're saying, let's just give them the strategies to navigate those waves and to get through those waves. We can't push society out. We can just help kids get through it.
1: Yes. Yes. And one of my goals when I when I see a, a a kid is to understand what their society looks like, because my view on it will look way different than the next person's view. And then, so that's the that's my first thing. Try to get into that person's perspective, try to get into their mind and see how they see things. And we know just from being older, we know how we thought when we were younger. Mm-hmm. And we were younger at a different time. So I try to mix, I try to mix my experience. I try to find out what they're experiencing and come up with like that perfect balance of, oh, this is what is, this is what society's doing to you, telling you, this is how you see things right now through your eyes. Let me meet you there and let me show you how we're going to navigate things there. Cause it might be different, like you said, a month later, two months later, a year later. And the, like I said, to, to just heart back on what we need to do as protectors, as parents, as guardians, we need to teach them how to navigate. We need to teach them how to ask for help.
2: Mm-hmm. Those
1: are the two biggest things. Um To, to navigate, you got to recognize what's going on around you, right? If you don't realize you're caught by the waves, you're not going to start swimming. You're not going to yep. start surfing. So recognize it start doing those things that we've practiced and then ask for help. Even if you think you're good and you're surfing, just, Hey, guess what? The waves took me, but I got my surfboard. I'm surfing. This is what's going on. And I'm like, okay, I'm watching you. I got my eye on you. Right. So, uh, that's, that's the biggest thing, especially my athletes who have now like left home and they're going to school. Yeah. It's like, Hey, I did the I did the training session with you a lot of the times when we do my uh like our virtual workouts I'll do the workout with them like through like video a video yeah, yeah. call and now you know the exercises you know the form you can hear me in the back of your head saying you got to get deeper on those squats or you got to get your butt off the ground in those bridges now you can do it on your own that doesn't mean that you can't hit me up for help you can hit me up for help. You can refer back to the videos that we have and everything. But there has to be a point where the kids and the young athletes take the the things that they've learned and the things that you've practiced with them and they start doing it on their own.
0: Mm-hmm. So why don't you tell me, Mike, because we talked about top four things that you have your you have your mental fitness program. And, and right. part of the goal of that is to help athletes make the time and space to get their mental game together so that they can be more well-rounded and perform better, right? Like what is the Correct. goal of the mental fitness program?
1: The mental fitness is exactly that. You hit the nail on the head. Um To backtrack a little bit, I started looking at just the, the temperature, the climate of mental health and how it relates to athletics. And one of the things that I realized is when it boils down to its most basic element, my job as a sports performance coach is to make sure that you can perform your best when your best is needed. So when so my job was, okay, how do I get my athlete to perform the best? I mean, to make sure that they're strong enough, that they're quick enough, that they're fast enough, that they're not injured, right? That became a thing in the last 15, 20 years. You see a lot of like injury prevention work mm-hmm. going on. So those are like those things that I, I focused on, athlete's speed, their durability, their agility, their strength, their power, their endurance. But then we realize that an athlete can have all of that, but break up with their boyfriend right before a game
2: mm-hmm. or
1: get really anxious because they're going against someone who beat them two tournaments in a row. And all of a sudden they show up to the event and they don't perform their best. Even at their strongest, their quickest, their fastest. So then I'm like, I have to have something that addresses this emotional, mental fitness side of athletics. When you think about it, we we hear that quote all the time. Sports is 90% mental, right? Mm -hmm. But we don't train like it is Mm -hmm. usually. So my idea a couple of years ago was, let me come up with a program that's going to address this. So we treat mental health just like we treat strength training, you know, fitness training. So I created a program where we address these things in terms of, you know, identity, uh, self-motivation, self-preservation, um, self-esteem, all these things that build into getting the athlete to feel Like they are the best versions of themselves on that emotional, emotional, mental fitness aspect. So in the program, there's a bunch of daily things we do. They're just small things. None of these things are huge, big, you know, first time you've ever heard of them things. One of the things we do every day is we journal. One of the things we do almost every other day is we find some time to meditate, whether it's like a five minute walk or whether it's just like 10 minutes where we consciously put our phone away and we just like reflect on our day and reflect our, on the day ahead of us. Uh, small little practices like that, that we log on a day-to-day basis and then some bigger practices that we do. And uh, yeah, and, and what, we're going to only share four? Top four that we're going yeah, to share-
0: teach the top four so that folks listening can either try them themselves or help their teen implement them, right?
1: So, yeah, I've already, and I work with many athletes. A lot of my athletes are away in college right now. I've already talked to many of them, talked to many of their parents that they're dealing with this identity crisis. And it happens very often freshman year. And and when I think back on it, now that I know more about mental health, it happened to me big time. And thank God that I just had the right people around me, that I was able to deal with it. I'm not even in the best way. I was able to just get through with it. Maybe I passed it with like a C+. Plus. I, I can't imagine how better I would have been if I actually addressed this head on, you know? But you go through this identity crisis. One, you're leaving home. Leaving home is tough, right, for anybody, but for athletes in particular, especially athletes that are playing at that collegiate level, you're going from like being the man, basically, or the woman, right? You were the best of the best where you're from. The team depended on you. The team was celebrated. You was about you. And even in your recruiting process, the coaches celebrate you. They come to your school. They say, they, you know, they they whisper sweet nothings in your ear, and then you get to school and. You're carrying the upperclassmen's pads, equipment. You're just a freshman. Like you're not, you're not the you're not the shit anymore, you know? And that right there is very tough to go from like that senior, I'm the best, I'm all state, I'm all this, to I'm just a freshman, I'm maybe not playing as much. Maybe the coaches don't pay it as much attention to me. They were just courting me on this whole recruiting process. And now they don't even you know, look at me twice. You know, that right there is tough. The dichotomy of now you're on campus, people looking at you like, oh, you're cool. You play sports. Like, like, yeah, I am cool. I play sports. I'm on the But then you get to the facilities and it's like, oh, I'm a freshman. Yeah, I forgot. Like, I don't play too much. And so
0: here can I like apply this? So what you're talking about essentially is when individuals have a really difficult time, right? So I hear that and I'm like this is any athlete who's going through a life shift or feels yeah. anxious Right. So you're talking about it as a time it really applies when kids are starting college. But I'm hearing about it like, oh, this could be someone breaking up with their boyfriend or parents getting divorced in the middle of a big, important season.
1: Yes. Any shift. It's a it's a social shift. Any shift in your the way you feel and the way you approach what you do that has anything to do with your identity.
0: Yep. So what do you teach them to do?
1: One of the number one things you have to do is log, log all the work and the, and the, the time you put in to what you do. Uh, every time that you practice and you practice well, log it. Anytime that you train, anytime that you exercise, anytime that you watch film, log it. It doesn't have to be a book. You don't have to write a novel, but write down what you did. Write down the insights from what you did date it, have it all in one place. Next time you're going to go compete, next time it's right before a game or something like that, and you have some downtime right before that game, pull out that log. Look at it. You're looking at all the dates and all the things you did, all the extra little pieces of work that you did. That's going to remind you and give you the confidence. I'm well prepared. I'm prepared for this. Look at all the preparation I put into this. Look at all the effort I put into this. That is not worth nothing. That's worth a lot right there. And that confidence you have in preparation will curve, hopefully curve a little bit of that anxiety that you have because you're like, I'm I I can do this. I, I I'm 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 in this and I'm doing this for real.
0: And I'm like a perpetual logger and I think it is an anxiety reducer because you you're right just like you're talking about it also can really let you know what you're doing right or what you need to shift. Like if you tapered for something and you're like, I killed that taper. Well, now you know exactly when you started taper and what you did with taper. Yes. And you want to know what's real crazy guys. And I'm going to get real dorky with you. I (laughs) kept my log from swimming when I was like 15 to 18 and I saved it. And now I'm able to, I like compete with myself as like a 16 year old. And I'm like, oh, well, I could do that now. Oh, I can't do that. But I've kept it 20 years later and I'm still using it as motivation for myself. It's it's one of my most like prized possessions, but I love it. If you are enjoying this episode and want more mental health support for you or your family, visit us at www.virginiafamilytherapy.com. We're a mental health practice with offices in Lynchburg, Charlottesville, and Northern Virginia, and we provide teletherapy across Virginia and North Carolina. We offer psychiatry, individual, child, and family therapy, and even have some after-school appointments available. Again, that's www.virginia, spelled out, Thanks so much for listening.
1: You know what, Amanda, you kind of jumped into like my number four thing. So I'm going to like refer back to this little like conversation okay. that you had as I go on. But number two, number two, when it comes to what athletes should do to kind of cope with or curve or address this depression anxiety is find something, find something that you are good at or that you take pride and joy in that has, has nothing to do with your sport or with like the main thing that you're doing when you find that one other thing that's going to just give you some time away some time outside of usually what is bringing about that anxiety or that fear or that depression what's bringing about all that the stuff that makes you kind of sad or tense or intense find something that you enjoy that you can do to take yourself out and away from that. Usually when you spend time in there, you already know it's going to make you happy because it's something that you chose that's maybe not as competitive or maybe that's just like, you know, that that brings you joy. Hopefully, if you really spend time in that, you find a community around that, other people who enjoy that, other people who are doing it. You create a whole nother community network that you can talk to. That is a great way to not only get away because we need time away from some things, right? I love my daughter. I need some time away from her sometimes, right? <laughs> that's, all, yeah. that's one way to get away from it. That's also another way to just gain more perspective on your main thing. I have non-football people see something football, and I'm like really technical when it comes to football. I've had non-football people look at something and say something about that, and I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, I mean – you said it very plainly, but that makes perfect sense. It's just a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we get trapped in our own perspective so like, heavily that a new perspective or a different perspective is so refreshing to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it brings about more balance. And that's what we're looking for in, in, in that sense is the balance between not being so consumed only in one thing and feeling like we're being suffocated or we're drowning in that one
2: thing. Mm-hmm.
1: So... Finding finding something whether it's drawing whether it's a club that you're a part of at school whether it's a uh your favorite show that you like to watch it's like a watching party show club I don't know something book club something that's usually my advice uh, and it sometimes it's hard because our time is is so limited Mm -hmm. but it's that conversation that we were having earlier about taking the time you have to make the time Mm -hmm. and it's going to help it's going to help you in the long run it's like an investment
0: and i think it goes back to what you were saying about those two rows you know, or the two columns holding up, right? Like if you're only talking about football or you're only talking about swimming, like you're the other side, isn't going to be held up, which by the way, there's a lot of research on this for working women. So women who have more identities feel healthier because you're able to feel success across like different domains. So for instance, like if I go to, if I like, bomb with my kids in the morning, which pretty much happens all the time. If I go to work after that, and then I have something successful happen at work, I'm not worried about bombing with my kids in the morning, right? My strength at work kind of buffers what all the mistakes I made this morning. Yeah. And so that's the same thing you're saying with athletes, right? If we're only like four if we're only football players and we mess up a football practice, then we have to hold on to that all day. There's no All escape. day,
1: every, yeah.
0: No, nowhere else to go to kind of give you esteem back. And so yes. if we have multiple roles, we're, we're able to better hold on to our esteem throughout the day.
1: Yes, yes. It's almost like, you know, in, in finances, they talk about diversifying your portfolio. Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the
1: same way. You want- yeah. You want to diversify your identity. So it's like, hey, I, I, oh man, I messed up in football today, but hey, I crushed it, you know, at choir practice or I crushed it in Call of Duty playing with my Call of Duty boys and like whatever it is, right? You you don't feel at like the dread and there's, and there's less catastrophe. And, and it's one of those things that I truly believe in. I tell my athletes, like, tell me something that went well today that has nothing to do with, and I name their sport.
0: Yep. Yep. And I think that actually goes really well with what you're talking about navigating the waves because the waves say specialize, specialize, specialize. And yeah. like any second you're not working on that, that's a second that you've lost. Yeah. But, but we're saying, no, actually don't just listen to society's pressure. You have to step away from that and become a well-rounded human being yeah. and excel being well-rounded to an extent is going to help you excel.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly right. Um, number three, the number three thing is self scouting. And this is kind of a very broad thing that we do mm-hmm. in our program, but I'll, I'll talk about, you know, two specific things when it comes to self scouting. Self scouting is kind of like what you were talking about. And when we self scout, one of the tools that we use is that log that we talked mm-hmm. about for the thing number one. Self scouting is when we take a step back and we take some time to look at our game and to look at ourselves and to critique ourselves. Not from a sense of critiquing to bash on the things we did wrong, but to just look at all the things we did we did and see how they added towards our goals or like what outcome we 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 received or how they took away from them. We're we're usually creatures of, of habit. Mm-hmm. So we usually do the same things in the similar situations. So I told you two things when it comes to self-scouting. The first thing is to understand what we are doing, period. I went to practice. I did this. I did that. Is that enough? Did that help? Did that did that take away while I was in practice? Did I maximize that practice? Did I do this? Did I do this enough? Did I get enough sleep? Did I eat enough? Mm-hmm. All those things comes into self-scouting. So when we look at it and we say, hmm, I didn't perform well that game. Well, let me look at my sleep. You know what? I didn't sleep well those three days because I was up late doing this. I was doing this. And I didn't even hydrate well. Maybe that is the reason why I was cramping up and I didn't perform well in that game or that tournament or that match or that. Maybe next time I'm going to do a conscious effort. I'm going to make a conscious effort to sleep better those three days leading up to. And then you do, and then you perform better. And then it's like, there you go. That's self-scouting right there. Self-scouting allows us to see our, you know, where we went wrong, our deficiencies or what we're not as strong at. And when we do it ourselves, we are more inclined to take that constructive criticism because it's coming from ourselves. Like we're ready for it. Mm -hmm. I've seen athletes get constructive criticism from coaches, from teammates, and it's not that the criticism is incorrect, but it's their readiness to accept it. It's like they're not—they're eh, yep. not ready to accept it. Yep. And what happens is it kind of pushes them further away from that truth that they need to address.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because now it's hurtful. Now it's like, eh, eh, eh. but now when you self-scout, you're kind of like instead of like hard mud, and you're trying to like force a seed down it. Now you're like you soften up the soil. And now it's like, all right, now I can take what you're, you know, what I'm what I'm seeing. So that's that's one thing when it comes to self-scouting. The other thing is learning your patterns. And that's kind of like what you were talking about, mm-hmm. right? When you understand your patterns, I, I mentioned that we're creatures of habit. You can look at your uh situation and say, Man, when I do this, this, and this well, and I have like three good games in a row. I start to slack off. Look, I can see right here that I'm not... Mm -hmm. And then when I slack off, this happens. So if that is your pattern, or maybe it goes in the... And maybe you're talking about something else. When I get down 2-0, I can see my attitude shift in this game. Or when I get down, like whatever, I see my... So when I get down next time, I'm going to remember that that's usually when my attitude shifts. I'm going to remind myself, like, this is where I can't let my attitude shift. And maybe by you recognizing those patterns, and it doesn't have to be directly related to a game. It could be related to anything. When I have a bad week with my boyfriend or when I have a bad week in school, like, this is what happens. Or when I have a good week in school, this is what happens. So when we understand those patterns, we can kind of curve those patterns if you want a different outcome. So we work on self-scouting. You give yourself a timeline. You say, I'm going to self-scout every two weeks. I'm going to self-scout every month. You usually want to do it at a pace where you're not micro managing mm-hmm. everything. Like You don't want nope. to do it every day. Like, oh my goodness, I got to focus on that. But you want to do it Frequent enough that you can make changes and try to see those changes and look for those changes. And I'm going to
0: add to that, which would be scouting your strengths as well, right? Like Tony always talks about, you know, the five pillars, part of being part of humility and part of being humble is knowing what you're doing well as well in addition to where you need to work, right? Just like any scout would. Wow, you've got like a killer, I don't know, squat, but like, let's work on your bench press. You have to know what you're doing well in addition to where you need to work.
1: Amanda, that's big. And that's one of the, you know, I said I was going to give you two, but what that's one of the other things that we do in self-scouting because that's part of identity. And that's part of, Mm -hmm. I call it self-awareness. And self-awareness is huge. I use the example of a basketball player. If you know you're a really good three-point shooter, you will help your team out by staying behind the three-point arc and getting yourself open. Yep. Now, that's not to say you don't work on your inside game, you don't work on your dribbling. I'm not saying you don't work on those things, but sometimes we need to just double down on what we're good at and focus on what we're good at. What is that kid going to better his team by saying, you know what, well, I need to go for this dunk because a dunk is really exciting. It's going to elevate my team. If, maybe not, because maybe he's not a good dunker, right? <laughs> so he will elevate his team better by hitting that shot. And that's what he's good at. So that's what he should focus on at that point. Uh Sometimes our most powerful attack we'll be learning what we're good at and doubling down on that and then mm-hmm. worrying a little bit later about like what we're not so good at. Mm-hmm. Um, I call it like my 80-20 rule when it comes to competition. When it comes to like, in, and by the way, when it comes to our program, our fitness, mental fitness program, we split it up into off season and in season.
0: Oh, that's so smart.
1: So in season, we're 80-20 focused on what we're, really good at versus what we need work on. And what I mean by 80-20 is in season, I'm doubling down on, if I'm good at three-point shooting, I'm doubling down on that. Because like, that's what we need right now. And 20%, I'll work on like my other things. In the off season, we switch it. And it's like, I'm going to work 80% on the things that I'm like, not so good at. And then I'm going to like do 20% on what I'm good at. That's so
2: genius.
1: hopefully that, you know, you start to get better at both and you're never that's trying to get it 50, yep. 50. Cause 50, 50 is like, that's like, we always want things to be, you know, equal. It's never going to be equal fair. Like, you know, you're never going to be maybe just as good as Duncan as you are at three point shooting, unless you're like LeBron James or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but you want to, you want to be able to, Have that clear, distinct mentality that you need to know what you want to do. When you don't know what you want to do, and you have that, like, should I work more on this, or should like that? That creates hesitation. That creates like identity crisis. That creates like, and then what happens as a as a competitor is maybe you do say, I need to go for that dunk, and then you don't, and then you go for it, and then you don't hit it. And then you missed a shot and now you feel bad and now your team's looking at you weird. And then you're like, you know, that's a big difference than you saying, no, I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm going to double down on my shooting and you hit those two big shots and now your team's celebrating you. And you're like, I'm the man. Like I know what I wanted to do and I did it. So self-awareness is part of self-scouting. That's like a huge, a that's huge a good
0: one, Mike. And what's your last strategy for helping athletes kind of, keep their mental fitness game in
1: last strategy sounds so weird, especially coming from like a coach, like, and, and, and I do this with my clients. It doesn't, but like keeping up with health habits, like health hygiene, like it sounds so weird, but making sure you're waking up and you know, you take a shower, you're, you're, you're brushing your hair, you're, you're brushing your teeth. You're, you're taking care of your, just yourself. Uh, some, some women don't like to do their nails. I tell, Hey, if you like to do it, go do your nails. Like I tell my guys, yo, have you ever had a pedicure before? Go get it. Go get a pedicure. Do things that are going to take care of your body that have, you know, little to do with the actual sport or like school, but everything to do with you feeling good. Like one thing that they do notice with youth who are struggling with mental health. They notice that that's the first thing to go. They're like hygiene and their, and their eating habits and, and their sleeping habits. So if that's the first thing to go, that needs to be one of the main things we're focusing on when you are, you know, struggling or when you're in a very intense situation. Let's make sure that, and you don't have to like dress up to the nines every single day, but doing those main basic things like sleeping, eating, right? spending some time just for yourself, taking a shower, taking, you know, or a warm bath or going to do your nails or going to get a massage, like those type of things, even though that takes time. And that's one thing that we don't have a lot of. It's one of those things. It's an investment. It's an investment into your happiness and into your overall feeling, your self-esteem. And that goes a long way.
0: Well, and I hear that too. And and for me as like a 42 year old mom, who's relatively busy, but, but what I hear is like, I'm very connected to my body. I'm very connected to myself as an athlete, right? Like I know I've got my garment, I've got my logs, I know what I'm doing physically. And I need to be connected to my body in other ways. That's just like my physical performance, right? Like I do need to be connected to my body and like feeling proud of how I look and making sure I like wash my hair. I haven't showered today again, guys. I already (laughs) told about that, and and this is my reminder to do that. But I think part of it is is being connected to our body in other ways that are not just athletic performance, and that's hard. But our bodies do serve multiple functions, and and like we need to make sure we have time for all of that because there are other parts of ourselves besides just being an athlete.
1: Yeah. Especially physically. Cause we, we are so kind of all or nothing physically. Right. So it's like, I'm going for a run. Oh, like how, what's the distance? Like what, what pace are you shooting for? Like, like, no, I'm just, I'm just going to go. Right. Or I'm going to, you know, go and get a massage. It's like, what's sore? Nothing. I just, I wanna go feel good, like and give us, you know, so we gotta you know have that have that ability to remind ourselves that our bodies are not just mean, lean, killing machines, like they also where we live in, you know it's the space that we live in, so we gotta take some time to realize that not everything physical we do or not everything we do for our body is directly related to racing or directly related to to lifting heavy or to you know tackling someone it could be just related to moving
0: and just to being a person being a right person, you know yeah it's kind of really honoring the other parts of ourselves that are not, and, and we're talking about it emotionally and mentally. We're really saying honor other parts that aren't just about performance. And now we're saying do that physically too, like honor your mm-hmm. body that isn't just about performance. Cause that's an important part of who you are as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of my athletes, I'm telling them, yo, shower.
0: <laughs> well, are you talking to me? Sadly. I'm like, I do need to shower. Um, this was, uh, like, I think this was our best conversation yet. Personally, I feel like I gained a ton of information and I'm going to steal a lot of your lines.
1: Oh, no, don't do that. No, I'm just kidding. You're I mean, that wave thing, y'all.
0: I'm taking that though. I'm like, <laughs> hey, we're riding the waves of society and I need to teach you how to surf. I think it's great.
1: I use that all the time with my parents. I love it. Believe it or not, even though I get like these athletes in the program, it's almost like their parents are in the program as well. Yeah, I'm
0: sure. I
1: get that. Yeah, you know.
0: Well, tell me, how can people get in touch with you? You have an amazing like Insta following. So can you just, especially that, because guys, his Instagram is actually really inspirational. So how can people (laughs) learn more about you and what you're doing?
1: So they can find me on Instagram at, Coach underscore Mike underscore Atun My last name is pretty long, but it starts A T U N and then finishes R A S E. I'm sure if you type in coach underscore Mike underscore A T U N, I'm sure I, I'd pop up, I'd pop up. Um, or you can find me through resilience. Our, our Instagram for resilience is resilience training underscore. And more specifically for athletes, because resilience training is split between like our fitness and our our, and our athletics. Uh, resilience sports underscore. So at resilience sports underscore is our our Instagram that's more geared towards our athletes and our athletics. Um, resilience training is like the the, un, the umbrella. So that's at resilience training underscore. And I'm at coach underscore mike underscore Atumrashe.
0: You all. I just learned a ton. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to like and share the active and connected families podcast. If you found this helpful, and if you or someone you love are interested in therapy, you can find out more about our practice at www.virginiafamilytherapy.com. Again, that's www.virginia, all spelled out, therapy.com. Thanks again.